2: Real sporting guy. You're all
3: right now. It's the Renegade. It's the people's radio. It's all the teams in your headphones. Allow me to introduce
0: the illustrious. Man. Marcus the game changer, the seventh Jackson, D. Will, the ill
1: executive. He's like, she's like, shoot nice without the anger management issues. Bill P.
3: The sports P A C.
1: Is coming at from small angles. He, he's, he's got all the bases covered. Uh, there's not a whole lot about sports brother don't know.
0: <laughs> Can you dig it, dig it sucker? Featuring Ray, Justin Page,
3: Eric Hamilton. R.C. fam is like, woo. I I blame it on Nintendo
1: (laughs) There's definitely a gin party around here Definitely a gin party Don't bring any Kool-Aid
2: It don't get no better than this, baby I want winners You better act like this Pick it up a little bit, okay, get your chin up,
3: smile, smile, anybody can be peace. don't get no more real
1: Welcome to the Real Sports Guys where Real Guys Talk Real Sports RSG Renegade Radio. I'm your host, Marcus, the Game Changer, and one-third of the Illustrious Three-Man booth. Uh, it is championship week, so we brought the champions back. It's the big show um, here on the RSG Network. Again, uh, I'm your host, Marcus, the Game Changer, one-third of the Illustrious Three-Man booth. And before we get into the proceedings this evening, allow me to say you could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with, with us, and we appreciate your patronage. Um, with no further ado, allow me to introduce my comrades. To my right, I got my man D Wills. Holla at the people.
2: Man, I'm feeling good today. I just realized that the ceiling is the roof, and I'm feeling good. Man, I'm feeling good about that. I heard Michael Jordan just gave us some new term, and I'm trying to feel good about that. So I'm trying to understand it. I'm glad to be here with y'all. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's kind of like some of that Zen knowledge Mike was dropping, and everybody... I don't know, man. Mike is has Mike is kind of caught a, a rough one with it, with the whole crying Jordan meme. Social media has not been kind to of Michael Jordan, man.
2: Oh, they're killing him, man. They're killing greatness. He's making that money. Yeah. They're killing him.
1: They are. They are. When you're that rich, you can flub from time to time. Uh, on my left, I got my man, TLT Sports PhD. What's happening, Captain.
0: Fellas, it's good to be here with you all this evening. The listeners it's good to be with you all whenever you're downloading and listening. Listening to the intro got me feeling like I need to send a shout out to our boy, our homeboy Ray, one of the original RSG folks. Uh you know, in the intro he says, I blame it on Nintendo. We we need to give some context <laughs> to that. I was not yet a host, and I remember listening to this because I was in Illinois cutting my grass on uh, the riding lawn lawnmower. This was back in, like, 2010, maybe, and I remember this was back in the day before I had an iPhone where I had, like, a little eye to and I literally had to download y- y'all's show. From iTunes onto my iPod, and then I can listen to the show. And it seems like the conversation was something about LeBron. And LeBron had decided to hook up with Wade and Bosh, and y'all was trying to make sense of it. And Ray came out and said, I blame it on Nintendo. You know, this generation <laughs> is used to playing video games together and be able to draw your own teams and put together these dream teams. and like Is that about how it went down? Is that how y'all remember it?
1: Yeah, that is yeah. absolutely the context.
2: <laughs> and when he said it, I almost lost it. I said I had to, to, had to go to the mute button on that one. I almost fell off my lawnmower. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs>
1: So and it was the way it, it was. It was the authority in which he said it too. Like he, he just knew <laughs> that's what it was. Like he had already <laughs> diagnosed. It. Like that was it. That was it.
3: Right. That was it. Like he had a... <laughs> right.
1: And he. I mean, he, he knew who the culprit was. And it's one of those situations where we had all been in a situation like that before, whether it was a mom, a uncle, a aunt, where, you know, you, you and your, your siblings or your friends, um, your peers do something stupid or do something that perturbs an adult, and they immediately go to blaming it on video games.
3: <laughs> and that's what that was. <laughs>
1: But they immediately go, see, it's because y'all be playing that Nintendo all day. Or the, or that Sega. <laughs> and that's just what old folks do, man. And Ray had a moment. <laughs> he was like, man, it's that Nintendo. <laughs> that's all that is, man. That ain't nothing but that Nintendo.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so
1: with no further ado, this portion of the show was uh, known as the intro to let, him, let you know. You listen to the real sports guys, real sports com, RSG, Renegade Radio, brought to you by Carbon World Health, your complete solution for fitness, health, and beauty. Go to CarbonWorldHealth.com to connect with Dr. Nestor Rodriguez and his staff to learn more about lifestyle medicine. Tell them the real sports guys sent
2: you. All right. Uh, D. Wills, are you still
1: in the midst of that Carbon World Health 90 Day Challenge?
2: Yeah, well, we're we, we, we about to launch this thing. Uh, this week, actually, it's going to be a big announcement. I'm actually going to be uh, on uh, ESPN local in Madison. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a, it's a big deal. So I've, I've been in that pre-launch mode. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. You know, if you if you're on Facebook following, I'm I've been trying to get into it. I'm doing things I haven't done since practice like 20 years ago. You know, sometimes they ask me to do stuff like this is why I left football. I'm not trying to do this stuff, but it's been amazing. Um They've been working with me, and uh, just an incredible team over there. So yeah, we, you know, we we're, we're about to go up against we're about to go up against the machine right now. I'm about to go up against the machine, man. Uh, you know, uh, you know, we we the resistance. I don't know how you know I don't know how I feel, but uh, uh, we're about to we're about to go head up with them. All
1: right. Well, you know, I've been seeing the Facebook pictures. It looked like you've been getting ready for the NFL Combine. So I just was, you know, checking in on you, man. I Got you doing three cone drill.
2: <laughs> oh man,
1: my, man, I, 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 my man, D. Will's out there like it's his pro day.
2: Have <laughs> you ever had a moment when somebody asked you to do something, they show you, and you look at it, and you go, you, "So you expect me to do that?" Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. My, my brother, my brother came and saw me one of my workouts, and I thought he was about to intervene. I think he thought they were trying to kill me. But uh, they, they, they support. I got that little LeBron treatment. I went into that little cryo sauna where you can kind of get in there. I felt I felt like Money Mayweather for a minute, you know. So they, they give me the whole kind of whole experience, and it's, it's been good. A lot of support. You know, I'm trying to, you know, we got to think about health and wellness. That's the thing we're trying to tell folks is, you know, live a healthy life. You know, uh, Phil T has been doing some amazing things and uh, support me. He's got his thing going on, you know. You know that's that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to live healthy lives here on IRG. We're gonna be we're gonna be pushing that, and uh, uh, we will probably have uh, Dr. Rodriguez on next week. You know, hopefully to to give us our next podcast to give us a little bit more depth on this challenge and what he's doing. But yeah, it's been amazing to work with him.
1: Yeah. So uh, make sure you check out Dr. Nestor Rodriguez and his staff at Carbon World Health. Check them out at dot com. Um, tonight's show. Uh, we're back after a little bit of a hiatus, but it is championship week, so we had to get the champions back in the mix. You know, sports radio champions right here, Renegades. Uh, so we're gonna do uh, a five on the black hand side, talking NBA talk, getting you caught up on the season uh, from the real sports guys' perspective. I got some questions for these brothers. I need to pick their brains. We yep. haven't had a chance to chop it up in a minute, so I need to hear how they feel about some things that transpired over the course of a. Uh, last couple of months you know i coach i coach high school basketball and so i've been in the tunnel man i've been underground for a little bit so it's good to come back up for air catch up with my guys get back into it you know we got the fellowship of the rings in the house you know so we we trying to bring it uh so we're gonna do that then we're gonna get into some nca talk it is march and we all know march is basketball christmas it is one of the best times of the year for sports um, particularly if you are a basketball fan. So we're gonna get into NBA N T A A and we're gonna take you all the way around and back by the end of this show. Um so fellas, let's go ahead and get into this five on the black hand side, NBA style. Um, let me just cue up the uh intro for this one.
0: Five oh uh, five oh uh, uh on the black hand side.
1: Yes, sir. So this five on the black hand side Uh, We're going to start off. Uh, First question, what will make the Boogie plus AD, Anthony Davis combination work in New Orleans? Now, it's been about a week into it, um, and it's gotten off to a rocky start, which was expected. Um, This is a very different situation compared to kind of how the league works in general with bigs. But before we get into what's going to happen on the court. I just want to get y'all perspective on the whole trading and Vlade and the Kings and just what's going on in Sacramento. (laughs) So, uh, you know, a lot has come out about just kind of how everything transpired with the trade. Uh, PhD, What were your initial thoughts when you heard that Boogie was going to New
0: Orleans? I was excited for old Boogie. Okay. Um, now, every time I say the word Boogie, I think about three kids I grew up with in a neighborhood that had the nickname of Boogie. Um, it, it's amazing that this cat's name is Demarcus, and he's in the NBA, but now everybody calls him Boogie. Some people don't have no no business calling him Boogie because they, they don't know how to say Boogie right. <laughs>
1: That is the truth.
0: You no, know, uh, boogie. No, you gotta be able to say boogie right. Cause, like, in order to say boogie right, you had to grow up with somebody named Boogie that you knew his <laughs> name was Boogie. It's a travesty. It's a
1: travesty. It's a travesty.
0: I just want to put that out there, man. So, you know, no, it's, a, it's a great point. I'm excited that he got out of Sacramento. It's the first place he's been in the NBA, so we're not quite ready to say that he's a problem player. Everywhere he goes, it doesn't work out. We're still generally optimistic that DeMarcus Cousins will turn over a new leaf, and maybe the change of scenery will help him. I don't quite buy it. I don't. And – It'll be interesting to see how he works with Davis, given that he's never played with a player that well. He's always by far been the best player on his NBA team. I'm not optimistic it can work. We can talk about how it may look in order for it to work, bring in more veterans, build through the draft, make a trade. All this stuff, you know, could happen. But in the NBA, we don't have that much time. You don't. If it's not if it's not drastically improved by next year, they're gonna be looking to break that team up. So I'm not optimistic at all about it.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And you brought up an interesting point. Um a real interesting point. Um so like he's never played with another guy that big, but as you spin it forward, you know, a lot of people have critiqued the actual trade by um by New Orleans. Um, and it could work out in their favor. I mean, you know, if that pick lands in the top three, then they keep it if they don't make the playoffs. So, I mean, they could get Boogie plus a top three pick in, in, in a really, really weird scenario. That could happen. But the other piece of this is if it doesn't work, they still got an amazing trade chip because they're going to trade him and keep AD. So, you know, even if, even if you know, they, they take this gamble and it doesn't work, and they got to basically figure it out by the summer because he's up for an extension um and if you don't get that extension then it's going to be harder to trade him because uh you know he's going to become he's going to have the option of becoming a free agent. Um so it's going to be harder to move him um because he will have the leverage in that particular situation. Um, but yeah, I think if it doesn't work um I think that New Orleans organization is will will lose Anthony Davis and Boogie potentially. Um and they might have to use Boogie as trade bait to bring in the, their, uh, their plan B in case Anthony Davis leaves, um, which, I mean, they've had him for, what, four or five years now, and they haven't really done anything to put a good squad around him. Um, yeah. You know, and they've been, they've had some bad luck with injuries and things like that. But when you've had one of the top five talents in the league on your roster for that long, and you haven't really made any sort of progress, Towards putting that player in a position to win a championship, you're going to lose that player. Um, so that that's just. And, I mean, add,
2: and, um, and I have to add, he's also hasn't been healthy. So, as a part of that too, he, he's had his own set. In, in addition to injuries around him, he's been he hasn't been on the floor um, sometimes during this run as well. So, he 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 has he has an injury history that that also has to be examined.
1: Yeah, he does. He does. Um and, and that's been something that that set him back. Um, I think from really kind of putting himself in position to be one of, viewed as a rival to K D and, and and uh Steph as far as being that like next best player because nobody's on LeBron's level. Um but at that next level down though that, that two, three, four spot, um he has is really K D and Steph and then Russ and then Everybody else for the moment and Not necessarily everybody else way behind him But it's another clump of guys Kawhi's um, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, dudes like that Who are at that next tier But uh, he's in that mix But he has the talent to be more He has the talent to be in that first that first Group after LeBron But he's he's just hasn't been healthy enough to get it done So yeah, that's kind of the Philosophical whether or not it'll work um, You know I think There's still a lot to see with that the piece I want to pick you guys' brain on is the on-court. Like, what what needs to happen on the court? What kind of players do you think they need to kind of gather and put around these guys? Um, and Phil, you brought up a good perspective thinking about vets, um, thinking about veteran players um, who can kind of help begin to fill in the gaps around these guys. What are your thoughts on that, D. Wills?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things I, I think they need. Um, you know, they're near the bottom of the league, and three-point shooting. So they definitely need people uh, who can space the floor. And ironically, it feels like when you watch them, the two bigs are probably uh, two of the best three-point shooters uh, on their squad when you think about when you see them them shoot. So they definitely need people who can space the floor so that they can go to work. The other thing is I think that Boogie and AD, and I heard Kevin Garnett talk a little bit about this uh, as well, um, they just need to get comfortable with understanding how to utilize each other with that high-low game, you know, getting a sense of what a person likes, how they can play off of each other. Um, and I think that just comes with time. Um, and then I think one of the things that Alvin Gentry needs to do is um, to, to create a little bit more balance is utilizing one of them to lead on that second unit um, so that uh, as a team they maintain – I think the, the, the greatness of both, having both of them is that you can have one of them leading on that, on that second unit, and um, maintain a level of play um, and also give uh, one of them a chance to breathe a little bit when you don't have them both on the floor. Then I think the final thing, and I think y'all kind of just addressed this, but I think great organizations do this, is be patient. I think part of it's going to have to be a commitment to the journey. You know, it's going to be a lot about AD and Bookie saying, wow, we really like being around each other, and we're going to be really uh, committed to the journey Um, and also committed to Alvin Gentry because they need continuity and, you know, if they can be the Alvin Gentry to what, you know, Paul, KG, and Ray were to Doc, in a sense that like we, we want to help you be successful and get some continuity. You know, I think that that's part of the patience they got to have to kind of uh, be committed to building this, um, I think is uh, what they need to actually be successful long term.
1: Yeah. Good points. Good points. Good points. Um, a, and the the thing that I, I I see is you know they this is like Gasol and zebo on Royds. you know with the two yeah. bigs and and the and the, the bigs can provide spacing so they had they have a, they're in a real interesting position where they can create a very interesting kind of a team because Demarcus can space the floor um, that's right AD is kind of getting there his three point shooting isn't great um, or necessarily scary. But DeMarcus is a real threat out there. Um, mm-hmm. The key with him is they can't let him fall in love with that, though. That's the, that's the yeah. kind of little poison pill that I see with this, is that I could see him turning into Sheed. No. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Where it's like, post up a little bit, brother. You know what I mean? Where she kind of towards the end of his run in Detroit was just kind of hanging out at the art, you know. Yeah. Um, and he needed to do that because he was playing with Ben Wallace. Um but uh, you don't want him hanging out. You don't want him turning to Sam Perkins where he's just living at the three-point line because it's easy. Um, it's easy money for him. But uh, it, it, that's the that, that they have it, to avoid.
2: You, it, yeah, it, and I want to say, and that's what you hope, Ken Holiday. Uh, I see they got Jared Jack. You know, Ken, they need a Chauncey Billups. Like, they need a cat who they respect in the backcourt who at that time can say, look, you need to get down in the post. And I don't, I don't know if Holiday's that kind of person, that kind of personality. But they do need somebody at that point position who can kind of bring them all together, and I'm not sure if they have that right now. I know Jared Jack has that kind of leadership, but he's not – right now, you know, where he's positioned, he's not that kind of lead dog for them.
1: Yeah, and that's the weird situation right now is you kind of don't know what they have. Um, You know, they got these two guys, and then they got – holiday and they picked up jack but other than that you don't really know what they have going on on the wing Mm -hmm. what they have for backup bigs just a lot of unknowns with that team and you know they're chasing the ac right now um and they're behind denver and uh portland and dallas the dallas mavericks are surging right now um you know they retooled their roster and we'll get into some of those moves and some of the trickle down impact of some of those trade deadline moves um But, you know, Denver has been a surprising Team this year um, In that they're so young Um, Lots of young guys, but this dude Nikola Jokic, man, this cat Has come (laughs) out of nowhere and has Just become a beast I mean, just a monster out there um, Picking up triple doubles Um, He's one of the best passing big men In the league Um, And he has kind of Become the star that they were looking For, um, which is I think a credit to the Denver organization because, you know, they have lived many lives since Carmelo left. Um they were really good. They uh under George Carl right after Carmelo left with the Ty Lawson um led crew that they had out there, uh, where they played a really up tempo style and then Carl moved on, uh Lawson moved on or kinda of just kinda of, he things just kinda of fell off the rails with him. Um, which is another interesting uh, situation. Just, I'm sure there'll be, there could be. A, I'm sure you could do a great thirty for thirty on just what the heck happened with Ty Lawson. Um, he went from being one of the up and coming guards in the league to just like nowhere to be mm-hmm. found. Um, but now they're back in this position where they have all uh, all this wealth of young talent. They're on the verge of securing a playoff spot, um, and it's been really through kind of just being smart with who you pick and hitting on several guys in a row. Um, And then they they kind of unearthed a star, similar to the Milwaukee Bucks, I'd say, where you find a guy that in the middle round of the draft who no one else is really kind of checking for, and he just turns out to be a star. Um, It's just an interesting way of trying to build it up. Um, And then you got Portland, which they just need to know how to play defense. Um, They don't guard nobody. They're not interested in guarding anybody. And then you got the Mavericks, who – Rick Carlisle, I got a ton of respect for him. Um, a ton of respect for him because he just always seems to figure out the best way to use the guys he got. Um, and I respect that as a coach where, you know, you give him a hand and he going – I mean, he may not win at all. He may not win a whole lot, but he going to play that hand the best he can. And if you come, come in sloppy, he'll get you. Um, and that's Carlisle. Um, but, you know, that trade for New Orleans, Noel at the deadline, um, picking him up. Man, Yogi Ferrell. <laughs> Where'd that come from? Did anybody see? Did, did either of you see Yogi Ferrell coming? Nope.
3: Darren
2: Williams, did not I, well, it? Nah, but I, you know I'm a big Yogi fan, man. I, I've been, and I, I went. I had a chance to go see, you know, to their big kind of opening thing down in Indiana. My niece was there for a visit, and when I heard Cream talking about Yogi didn't land on a team, I was surprised. I was like, he's not on a roster. And so I'm happy that he's having that type of performance. I've always liked him, but I think his size always, I think was a negative thing for him. But the kid plays the heart. You ever watch him, he goes at people. Um, And so I'm so glad for him.
1: I got a little bit of a theory, and I want to talk about the – I want to use the Dallas Mavericks to segue into talking about the Cavs situation. But before, I want to lay this theory on y'all, because I, I like to vet my theories with you guys, because you guys are insightful brothers. Okay. So the NBA has moved towards small ball, right? The whole idea of small ball is that you want to have these interchangeable parts. You want to have bigs who can guard smalls and smalls who can guard up a little bit. They don't got to be able to guard bigs, but they can guard up and, you know, two, or three positions. You know, your one should be able to guard up to a three, you know, your two should be able to guard up to a four sometimes. Um, but they should be able to guard back and forth on the perimeter. It should be interchangeable. Watching guys like Yogi, Kyle Lowry, and Isaiah Thomas, and to an extent a guy like Kimber Walker, kind of start to tear up the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it has me thinking, is there going to be a place for small there, – there, there is a place for small guards in this small ball era because even though we call it small ball, bigs have gotten smaller, but guards have had to get, get bigger and longer yeah. because you're asking the guard up. And what that does is it creates kind of a quickness disadvantage for most point guards. When they're going against a five nine dude who can who can bust, um, and I think you're gonna see there be a space and a place for the right kind of small guard in this league because everybody's trying to get a six four six five point guard, and it's hard to just it's hard to keep up with a five nine dude when you're that tall. <laughs> it just is. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's just difficult where you can with the things that you can do with length. Um, you get a 5'9 guy in the pick and roll who's got some hiccups and who's got some quicks and who can bust, um, you're going to have a hard time with that dude because now your length gets a little bit negated because you're trying to reach around a 7-footer or a 6'10 dude to get to him. So it's just been interesting to see kind of some of these small guards. That's kind of a trend that I'm seeing develop in the league is that as as people have wanted bigger guards on the perimeter – it's created a space where smaller guards, um, really good ones, can have an advantage and, and can carve out a space in the league that they just really didn't occupy um, you know, four or five years ago where people were getting away from them and small guards were getting phased out um, kind of left and right or relegated to kind of backups um, or spark plugs off the bench type guys where now you see them kind of getting that, that, that lead dog roll back at the point guard spot. What do you guys think of that?
2: I'll let you
0: for That's an interesting perspective, Marcus. Um huh. I'm speechless. That that's got me thinking, man. So
2: uh, what I, I mean what I would <laughs> say is I, 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 I what I've said about at least what's common about the three people you mentioned is um they have an uncanny toughness. So not only everything you said, but they're not afraid to, they found a way to be effective getting to the basket. So, um, and, and they're tough. So, so they're able to take the punishment, but they found a way, whether it's floaters or whatever, to part of keeping off balance is that, you know, if you know a guy's going to shake you up, but he's going to end up um, uh, somewhere shooting a jumper or whatever, you can play the percentages about your recovery, about where you think they're going to be. These guys aren't afraid to all, get all the way to the rim and take, some, and take some punishment. And so I think when you have a small guard that is also has that combination of toughness and competitiveness, I think it even adds even more to it for you. I think where it has problems is, is when you start to get into series where they can be game-planned against. So I think where their effect happens, I think, a lot is, you know, I'm going from Portland on a Tuesday night, and I got to play the Raptors a long trip on the back-to-back, that's a shot. But when I can game plan for you, it's going to be interesting to see. I think all three – well, at least two of them have – you've seen them struggle in seven-game series when people can really game plan for them, and that's all they're game planning for. So then you got LeBron or somebody, you know, they start to stifle them a little bit. I, I want to see how that starts to play out in the playoffs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. I don't dispute that point at all. Um, thinking about though, kind of coming back to Yogi and his his ascension, um, and how that created a space where then you had this trickle down effect where Dallas kind of they got Yogi, they got Seth Curry, they grabbed Nerlens Noel, they got a Harrison Barnes and West Matthews, but they got now, now they got a, like a a decently timed out core of young dudes, and they were able to move on from Andrew Bogut um, and. Darren Williams, and obviously, you know the buyout market—they buy, they they trade them, they get bought out. Um, and the buyout market is is always great for contenders. Um, and hats off to the Cavaliers GM Chris Grant uh, for stepping in and making the necessary moves to get those guys in a Cavs jersey. Um, and they got after after an, another pretty smart buyout where they picked up Derek Derek Williams. Um, the former number two draft pick out of Arizona, um, P.A.D., you are man on the ground in Cleveland. Um, what did, what were your how are you feeling about the D Will's pickup? Both of the the D Wills squared, um, and we we kind of know how the bogey thing turned out after fifty eight seconds last night, which was just that was that just wow. Sucks.
0: <laughs> yeah. That just yeah. sucks, man. I'm I'm excited about the Derrick Williams pickup. He got off to a really fast start. And to think that they picked this guy up on a 10-day contract. (laughs) I mean, they just recently extended him to the end of the year, I believe. He seems to give them an additional option of playing small ball or playing three ball. You know, adding Shannon Fry last year helped. Now we have another option. So um, I'm excited about that. The loss of Bogut was surprising. I was hoping it was a more minor in in injury. You know, Mike and Mike said it well this morning. They, they pretty much said they weren't sure if Bogut would be a huge contributor, but they kind of thought that at some game we were going to see Bogut step up and make a block shot or you know make a good pass, do something that that impacted the uh, the outcome of the game. Um, Darren Williams to me is most interesting because since since um Delhi got traded, I think the Cavs have struggled to find a strong backup point guard, as as LeBron has pointed out. Um if if Williams can give them minutes, Delhi did, he doesn't have to need to be as strong defensively, but if he can knock down the open three, um If he can run the offense and take a little bit off of LeBron's shoulders, you know, for six to eight minutes a game when LeBron doesn't have to play point, even if he's still out there with Williams, I think it helps him tremendously. What I don't know is what kind of defender Williams is.
1: Yeah, he's always kind of been a a, a little bit of, it just hasn't been a priority. He's kind of had that, he hasn't been as bad as James Harden. Um, at any point in his career, but it's just never been something that you, you would associate with him, even though he has a pretty good frame. Um, I'm sure he probably isn't as quick given a lot of his injuries have been lower body image, lower, lower extremity injuries. Um, so he probably ain't as quick as he used to be, but he's got a big enough frame where he could probably slide up and, and guard up a little bit. Um, if he can't stay with a, with a quick point guard, um, matchups will be important for him. Um, but I, I, offensively, he, I think offensively he gives him another gear um, because now you can move Kyrie off the ball, um, or he and Kyrie can interchange off the ball, and you got LeBron as a third ball. I mean, you could have three playmakers on the court at once with, you know, uh, a rim uh, a rim rolling big like a Trish, Tristan and, and a Kyle Korver um, and really not miss a beat. Um, you know, I don't know what that unit would look like defensively, but – Offensively, I can imagine that unit lighting people up. Um, Yeah, I I can see that working out real well. Um, Speaking of LeBron and asking for uh, playmakers, um, what did you think of the Barkley-LeBron feud?
0: (laughs) What were your thoughts on that? You know, it felt like LeBron was coming after Barkley but the comments were, like, pent up for five or six or seven years, and Barkley just ended up being the most recent person to be critical of LeBron. Because, you know, I still stand by it, that if you tell somebody that they are um, the fifth best player of all time or the tenth best player of all time, that's not a criticism. I I don't see it as a criticism that, you know, so – in some ways, I didn't take it as much of a shot as LeBron did. And and I do think LeBron came back and made it even more personal, talking about Barkley's off-court issues and all these different things. I believe that Bar- like what Barkley did was within the domain of his job title. And then LeBron made it personal. And I didn't necessarily like that. I understood it, given the number of bullets that LeBron has taken, and he's done all these things right, you know. And I think this was an opportunity for LeBron to be like, boom, I've never done this, I've never done that. Oh, that's right, LeBron has been pretty clean. Like, to me, that was his way of saying that. And, you know, I I think he made it way too personal.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can, I can, I can see, I can see that. I'm kind of with you on that. D. wills what was your perspective on LeBron Barkley feud? You know, I, I
2: think you, LeBron was just like get off me, you know, because uh, part of it was Barkley did because LeBron. I think it was reaction to LeBron being critical of the organization getting help because he's seeing stuff happening out west, which I think LeBron's earned, and so I think you know, I, I, I think I agree with Phil that was, with with in his job title, but it's also with his job title. When you say something, you expect that you're going to get a reaction. And I think they're so used to saying something, LeBron, and LeBron just shaking it off. This year, LeBron has been very clear. You come at me, I'm coming back. You know, you know, uh, I'm just not going to take it. You know, he let Phil Jackson know. So, so Charles should have kind of known. And so I think, you know, uh, you know, Charles is you know kind of questioned his toughness in some ways. And so I think you know he just wants to hit Charles right, and you know, that's barbershop talk. Y'all know that, you know. Hey, if you're gonna come with it, you better be able to take everything that's coming back. Don't just sit up in that studio with your shirt on, yeah, uh, looking crazy, and, and I expect I'm gonna say something. So I think Barkley kind of pushed on this theme around LeBron quit whining, in the sense that I but I think LeBron was in the right to to be pushing the Cavs to be. He's the leader to be thinking it, so I didn't have a problem with him going back. and I'm glad because I think I think LeBron's waited too long. I think he's been too quiet too long. I wish he would have done this two years ago. You know, sometimes you just got to push people off. Y'all know that.
1: Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I, I thought it was a really interesting kind of back and forth. Um, I didn't think it was too much to be. I think it was a lot to do about nothing. Um, just because I think it was a slow news cycle at that point, and they needed something to talk about, so this was worth it. Yeah. Um, but I, I do I do agree that I think LeBron has kind of been pushing back this year um, and just kind of saying, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm not going for it no more. I'm not that dude, um, which I, I can understand. Um, I also agree with Phil's point, though, that I think uh, it got personal. Um, Barkley was doing his job. Like, his job is to be provocative. I mean – That's the other thing, like, you know, LeBron ain't going to skip Bayless, (laughs) who says ridiculous things about LeBron on a daily basis. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And maybe that's because he doesn't view Bayless as as any sort of bit credible, but maybe he values Barkley's opinion a little bit more, so maybe it stung a little bit. But it's not like Barkley's the first dude to ever say something about LeBron. Um, And that's where I kind of agree with Phil's point is that, um, or even will he be the last dude? But I think LeBron has kind of been biting his tongue, and also was kind of like, "Next person, say something about me. This is, I'm, I'm finna, I'm finna get it." I'm yeah, he, get was, it. Letting the, so I he think was letting the
2: streets know. He was letting the streets know. Yeah. Look, look. Yeah. I, I, I heard Skip Bayless. I heard, I'm letting the streets know. Like, if you say something back at Skip Bayless, that ain't really letting the streets know. If you say something back with Charles Barkley, you letting the streets know. You know, <laughs> you, you, you letting the streets know that it ain't going down. Like you, y'all know that. You know. You, you know Bailey, thing, Bailey thing gonna get you nothing in the streets. You say something to Barkley, you let the streets know, look, yeah, it ain't going down like that no more. Just let y'all know that. Now check yourself Now with, with
1: LeBron being the trendsetter that he is though, do you think we're gonna see a a trend of younger guys kind of bucking back at some of these old dudes that tend to have a lot to say? Um You already heard just came
2: back after direct they all coming. There's a young old beef going on right now, y'all. Y'all ain't seeing that? Like that, that's happening yeah, right I, now I do kind of not young cats doing it. Yeah, they 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 like, you know, Durant like was that Durant or was it LeBron It's like when you see him at the All Star game, you know, come up and talk to me. I think that might have been uh LeBron. I mean and Durant came back for Jamel McGee. I mean, they they there's something brewing right now, y'all.
1: Yeah, and then the Shaq Javel McGee situation, which was <laughs>
2: I, listen, man. I,
1: I think that was that was just goofy, man. That was just that was just goofy. Like y'all grown. Chill out, man. He can't make jokes if you don't do stupid stuff, Javale. Um, there's jokes, I you know what I mean. And Shaq, you don't need to respond, man. Um, one of my favorite lines from the Wire, man. A million dogs bark at the moon. The dogs get the moon to bark back. He becomes famous. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, just you, you just gotta realize you the moon, man. Can't be barking back at yeah. your dog. Just let them do their thing, you know. But but, uh, but mama, you know, that mama, Mama told him. That. Yeah. yeah, Mama shut that down. Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it. sound like JaVel but mom, no, wanted a little bit more. She wanted a little bit more action. She wanted Jack's job, which is just kind of like, all right, chill out. nobody gonna get fired. You can't do that. Man. Yeah, you know.
2: Shaq come from that ribs and yeah, stuff. Yeah, Shaq come from a yeah, different place. Yeah, Shaq come, come from yeah, that ribs stuff. He comes from yeah. the, the yeah, yeah, deal
1: come that. from that nineties, eighties, that. that late eighties, early nineties era where you just kind of you got after you got after each other and you might have hard feelings about it. You just came back at the do it the next day. You know, nowadays guys want to get mad and want to you know you cyberbullying me. <laughs> Everybody cyberbullying me, man. You can shut up. That's all. <laughs> You get cut on, man. Just take it like a man.
2: Cyberbullying, yeah. Log off. Log off.
1: (laughs) You don't like it, log off. You ain't got to be on social media. (laughs) Ain't nobody cyberbully you unless you're on the computer. Now let me stop. Let me stop.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Stop.
1: You know, yeah. So uh, speaking of K D KD being out, um, how can the Warriors grow from this, right? I, you know, anytime there's a setback, there's also a growth opportunity. Um, you know, you're keeping our growth mindset hat on. Uh, how can the Warriors grow from this stretch of KD possibly being out until the start of the playoffs or the very end of the season? What are your thoughts on how they can grow, P.H.D.? Well, D. Wills, pick it up.
2: I think one of the things that's really important about this is that, um, uh, so let's set the context. You know, they're they're first in field goal percentage. Uh, they're third in three-point percentage. I think they're first in points per game, seventh in rebound. Uh, and they're first in differential. So, I mean, and a lot of this was happening with KD, so he was humming. KD was leading them in block shots with 97. Draymond was second with 85. So I think one of the things that KD was helping that, I think – and kind of uh, uh, been kind of lifted in terms of uh, being seen by more people with his move to Golden State as his presence on defense. Um, and, and he was like, uh, I think he was second in steals with 65. So one of the things they got to have is that their front line rotation um, is going to have to produce more. So you think about uh, Pachulia and McGee are going to have to do some things. I think McGee was like second or third with uh, 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 38 blocks. Can you get more uh, effort out of them? You're going to have to see a little bit more Clay's presence on defense. He's a great two-way defender, but, you know, Clay has kind of been, when you watch the games, he's playing, but you can tell he's trying to find his personality within the team with this shift. Um, you, you're going to have to see more of that balance on defense. Um, and then they're going to have to really, with that, uh, figure out how that's going to help um, uh, set up their second their, their second team kind of rotation because, that's what they lost. When you lose people like Spate, and you lose some of the, the guys they lost, those, uh, um, those guys were helping with their depth in their second unit. Uh, and, and Durant and those guys were able to cover up some of that stuff that now is a little bit more exposed. So I think some of those things will have to happen for them to kind of carry it. Uh, they have the pieces, but um, you're going to have to see Draymond lead a little bit more from the, off, from the defense to offense transition, getting open shots like he was doing last year. So there's some things that they're going to have to try to figure out here uh, over the next few weeks um, with this. If they can get through this, they might be a little bit better when KD comes back because some of these guys will have a little bit more playing time experience.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I think you made some good points with KD. Uh, his defense has been great. Um, he has really kind of uh, – and it was, I think that was an interesting thing about how you kind of mix these guys together and you kind of see which new parts of a guy's game can grow and develop and watching KD become a better defender. Or not even a better defender, just being able to highlight his defensive uh, skill set more. I think he was always yeah. a pretty good defender. Um, but mm-hmm. being able to highlight some of those skills more and put them on display more, um, again, yeah. because it's just a part of his new role and in fitting into this team, uh, it's been interesting. Um, it's been interesting. JaVale McGee is an interesting player. Um, the guy has all the tools to be a really strong, big in today's NBA, um, but you just don't see it because of the the stuff that he does. Um, so, you know, maybe they build some confidence, get him some minutes, um, help him grow a little bit. Um, it also can help, you know, Dollar dropped 24 the other night. It could help him get into a groove and get into a good rhythm. So they have a chance to kind of stretch a little bit and maybe explore that bench. Isn't as strong as last year's bench at all, Um, but explore their bench a little bit and kind of start to – because Steph is going to do his stuff. Clay is going to be fine. Dre is going to do what Dre does. When when Durant comes back, those dudes will be fine. I think the thing that would be great for them is if when Durant comes back, they have maybe another bullet or another guy who's clicking off the bench that maybe wasn't clicking before. Um, and that's something that I think would be worth exploring during this time where um, Durant is on the shelf. Um, kind of grow that bench a little bit um, while you still can rest some guys. Because, I mean, yes, they're in kind of a chase, mm-hmm. um, a little bit of a race with San Antonio. But I think they have enough breathing. Well, they didn't, They don't have a lot of breathing room. They're only like two games up. But, I mean, yeah. they're can. They, they they're good enough where they can work at, work out some things. And we've seen San Antonio do that quite often, um, many seasons with with you know Ginobili and Parker and Duncan getting up there in age. You saw them develop guys on their bench more during the regular season and still be able to win sixty plus games. So it's not totally far
2: fetched that they can do that. Yeah, and, they, and who they who they just add um, um, on a um, off of waivers? Um, Barnes from uh, Barnes. You know, Barnes. I Barnes. Yeah, Barnes is someone who can definitely, um, you know, he he can hit some big shots. He's tough on defense. He's got some. He's an, he listen, he, he'll, he'll, he 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 can listen. be. They're about to get crazy and, he, out there. Him and him and Draymond, him a,
1: boy. Him and Draymond, oh a, my goodness, <laughs> they for the cause of problems. <laughs> you thought people they like the him just before? The they team. like Draymond. He gonna be he gonna be Draymond hype man. <laughs> Be I'm kind of afraid because I feel an Indiana stuff.
2: moment. I, I feel a Pacers moment. You know, I feel right. one of Indiana yes. moment. You know, I feel one of them. I'm hoping that does Yes.
1: yes. In the same way Steven Jackson was kind of a uh, Ron Artest hype man, yeah. <laughs> 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 they got to <laughs> <gotta> be careful out there. They got to be careful. Yeah, they got to be careful out there. But Barnes brings some toughness. He brings another guy who is not afraid to mix it up, who's not afraid to be an agitator, which I think they needed. Um, I think they could yeah. use that. Um, you know, they, and, and when you think about it, they got him, David West, and Green. That's there's some toughness there that they maybe didn't have last year. We'll see how that plays out in the seven game series, because that's really all that matters is getting to the to the uh, getting the trilogy going with them in uh, Cleveland. And if you, either one of these teams doesn't make the trilogy, it's going to be a disappointment. Um, but we, we want we want the trilogy, right? We want that. Now, obviously, Golden State and Cleveland are the front runners. Um, but looking at the next three teams, in particular, in the East, the Raptors, the Bullets, and the Celtics. Um, who you do we see kind the of being the? You might get a fine. Yeah, I'm, call, I'm calling the Bullets, man. I'm calling. I don't, I don't. I don't do that, Wizards, man. I don't do that. Oh, they the Bullets.
2: <laughs> oh, you with the West? I'm South a boy Bullets. in the
1: barbershop. Mama name Clay, I'm gonna call him Clay. <laughs> <laughs> they the Bullets. Oh
2: my They're the Washington Bullets. I, I said he must have just spread on here on this on this rundown, but he was serious.
3: No. I I no, just changed the Wizards
2: on my rundown. <laughs>
3: no, I ain't gonna do that. Don't
1: call him the Wizards. That's a lame nickname. Um, the Raptors, <laughs> the Bulls, and the Celtics. Who presents the biggest challenge to the Cavaliers out of that trio, in your opinion, D. Wills?
2: Um, you know, I mean, the easy answer probably for people are Raptors and the Celtics, but I actually like the Wizards, and part of it is, or the Bullets, or however you want to say it, part of it is um, because uh, they're not they're not psychologically scared or damaged. Like, these guys are just plain, which I think you got to be able to do if you're going to think you're going to beat the Cavs. You know, they're like third in field goal percentage, fourth in three-point shooting. Uh, fifth in uh, total point score, so they can score. I think the challenge is going to be what they need to do on defense. However, I like the addition of, uh, uh, was it, Vandanovic and Jennings. I think they give them some depth that I think is going to be important to get the Cavs. Uh, But I like Marquise Morris and uh, Otto Porter. I think having those kind of – those forwards, I think particularly defensively, if they can pick up, you know, can they slow down LeBron a little bit between those guys? Can they make it difficult on him? On the series, and then Wall and Bill uh, have the potential of having a dominant series, uh, particularly Bill. Uh, I think Wall going at Kyrie, cause he gonna go at him, but Bill coming to play. I think in playoff games, uh, Bill hasn't always shown up the way we he needed to show up. But if he can play big in the playoffs, I think uh, they have the best chance of, of 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 going to Cavs because they got the I think the most interchangeable parts, and I think they play a kind of offense that has a little bit more movement than what I've seen with the Celtics and the Raptors. I think the Celtics and the Raptors play an offense that defensively the Cavs can shut down in a seven-game series.
1: Yeah, and that's interesting because um, I tend to I tend to favor the Raptors and 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 the Bullets as well um,
2: out of that trio <laughs> over the Celtics because I think the Celtics lack too much. Right. <laughs> I keep, keep laughing Can you say it with conviction I think this, Yeah I think oh, the, Celtics two, this uh, the Celtics are too
1: perimeter focused yeah. The Celtics are too perimeter focused Um, And I think that's where the loss of The potential loss of Bogut You know I don't think Bogut helps him a ton In the Golden State Series um, With the Cavs But I think against the Wizards I'm sorry the Bullets and the Raptors, he helps them because you got John Wall attacking the basket. You know, you got DeMar DeRozan averaging twenty-seven points a game, and he's playing like it's nineteen eighty-one. Ain't no three-point line.
3: <laughs> he's <laughs> mid-range trouble.
1: everything. Alex mid-range everything.
2: <laughs> it is. You watch it; it's like man, it's like you should watch Clyde, man. When you just knew he was gonna go left, and nobody could stop it. You just, you know, he he's driving. He ain't shooting no three; he just play awful, but he just get wherever he want to get on the floor.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, completely. And it's like, uh, it's like you know, you know what's coming, um, and you wonder if he knows that there's a three point line. Like you know, you can like you, you can get more if you shoot out there. He's like, now nah, I'm good with these tools, man. I'm good with these tools. <laughs> and he just, I mean, it's unbelievable what he's doing, and it's fun to watch um, because, it, I mean, his his footwork, and you know, there's been articles about his footwork and how he's going out to improve his footwork. But uh, his, his his game is interesting. It's a different kind of game, particularly, again, in today's NBA. Um, it's a very different kind of game. And I, that's what I think is great about professional basketball right now is you've got a lot of different kinds <laughs> of players out there that are being successful and doing things differently. You know, you got five, nine guards averaging 28 a game. you got, you know, wings who don't shoot threes averaging 27. You have bigs who shoot threes putting up 27 points a game. Um, You have guards averaging triple doubles, you know, scoring 30 a night. I mean, it's just a really – there's a lot of – there's a lot of ways you can be good in the NBA nowadays, and uh, that's fun. There's a lot of diversity to what's going on in the league. But I think not having
2: yeah, it, it another like record 80s there can hurt Cleveland. It feels like yeah. late 80s, early 90s hip-hop. You know, when you you had everything, three times dope. You had, I mean, you just kind of go with everything. You're just like, wow, look at all these folks coming out with these different kind of albums. That's what, it, that's what it feels like. It's like every, there's a flavor for everybody, if you appreciate it. I like
1: that. Yeah, and, and it, it, it's, to me, it highlights just the diversity of the game. Um, but what I was about to say about Cleveland And how these teams match up with Cleveland Is that that's where losing Bogut hurts Just slightly
3: mm-hmm. um,
1: Because they don't have a Mazgar, Um, Fry isn't really a rim protector In the way you want him to be Tristan does a good job um, He does his job, he does it well But they needed that other Big body um, To go against the Gortat To go against uh, Valanchunas um and with the Raptors adding Ibaka, is a sneaky, sneaky good move, um, and because he's that he's that piece that they've been looking for, which is that four man who could stretch the floor, uh, who could shoot three, three, uh, and still block shots and protect the rim, and it gives them and, and, and can go up and play five and small ball and give you a five who can stretch the floor if you need to go smaller. So. It'll be interesting to see how those three teams eventually kind of figure. Kind of, you know. Right now, it looks like the Raptors are sitting in that fourth spot, and they will face the Cavs in the second round. Which you want to get out that spot if you can.
2: Um, I want to ask you. I want to ask you a question. Because I'm even more impressed about Tristan Thompson. It, is it, is is he the only one to survive the Kardashian effect? Because he's the only person I've ever known to be involved in and not have his sports uh, his play on on the field of play not affected. Have you thought about that? Like was he I mean I have. Me, I have. I've thinking.
1: examined it. Um, I need to get it. Yeah,
2: I have to figure out why. My data said is too like small. It's,
1: <laughs> I have to figure out the nature in which the or the nature of this particular relationship. Um yeah. like was it a full out relationship? Was it, you know, we're kinda sticking our toe in the water? Was it a courtship? You know, was he kinda just kinda checking out how things were, or was it a full-blown we're an item? I don't know, because nobody has ever, you're right, no one has ever survived a full-blown we're an item with a Kardashian and no. kept in power. <laughs>
2: it kept their powers, kept in play. I don't know if we ever see her. Uh, part, of, part of how you might evaluate is, has the family been courtside? Because usually they show up courtside. And I don't know if I'm – maybe Phil could probably tell us, I don't know if they've been courtside at the Cavs game yet. That would tell you to the level of the relationship. And I'm up to have but he he don't seem to be affected in ways I've seen I mean some some other folks. So I I've been amazed by that. Yeah. I've been waiting for the shoe to drop. And it hasn't. He knows back. that he
1: gets affected by too much, man. He kinda got that yeah. um that kinda half not witted look about him.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: like he don't really know what's going on all the time. You know, he know he's gonna go rebound. You know, but he don't really he don't he got he got a look about him in his eyes sometimes like is you with me is, is is you
3: with us right now
1: Tristan oh um, so you
2: basically saying he got kind of tired that he can't mess up right that LeBron is defended maybe it's part of maybe it's because LeBron has kept him in his face, you know because he could have come out like I need he might have been there, he might have come out and try out I need to average twenty he could have been taking a lot of shots. You know, that's what I thought he was right. trying to just like try to raise his game up. You know, uh, but I haven't seen the effects. I was just kind of interested. I know these are things you, you you're able to provide some perspective on. I thought it would. I'll try. You, I try. Thought you might have some. That's right.
1: I'm gonna pull my man PhD back into this conversation. Uh, MVP. Um, the season is about done. Um, who's your favorite for the MVP? Now, obviously, <laughs> LeBron. LeBron is always. <laughs> until he retires or we see some really clear signs that he has diminished from a skill perspective, he is always the best player on the planet. But is he having the best season of guys in the league this year? PhD.
0: Oh, man, I have such a hard time with this MVP award. I do. (laughs) I... You know, Westbrook, I believe his team is the 7th seed, maybe, in the West. The triple-double. It's impressive. I'm checking,
1: I'm, I'm checking on it right now. I'm checking on it right now. Uh, Oklahoma City is the seven in the West.
0: However, you have the Cavs, who have the best record in the East. LeBron is the scoring numbers is pretty much within a couple of points rebounding within a couple of points, and the assister was within a couple of points. LeBron, through 10 or 11 games in February, was shooting something like 60-something percent from three. <sighs> so it bothers me as the best player. Like, we have got some kind of fatigue for LeBron. And the best, all right, I said that last year, didn't I? You did. You
2: did. (laughs) (laughs) But it still fits. It's a good argument. You could come back with it.
0: Oh, I I mean, Marcus, you tried to set it up, and I just couldn't help myself, man. I knew where you were going. I tried to give you a pass.
1: I try to give you an out, man. I try to give you an out and you just did. just acknowledge it up front and just be like, you know, I get it. Yep, LeBron is the best. He's still the best player on the planet. Is he having the best? He's
2: season? almost he's almost averaging a triple double. He's averaging eight rebounds and uh, eight assists, like his, most assists he's averaged, I think, in his career. So I mean, he, I mean, if there's any year, it's a legitimate with the, with the changes with Kevin Love going down. I mean, he's, I mean. He's almost you know, He's close to Those kind of Triple-double numbers This year
1: Yeah, he is He is He is But there is a guy Who was actually Averaging a triple-double Anybody heard of that guy? His name was Russell (laughs) 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 Westbrook He is actually Averaging a triple-double And we're in March (laughs) I'm a Westbrook fan And he dropped 56 tonight
2: Yeah, the man man. The man who I think is going one is Westbrook because he just, he, he's doing, as Ray would say, he's doing video game numbers, man. I mean, and just, I mean, sometimes he's abusing people so much you want to call the police. I mean, because he's he, he just abusing them. That's like you got to call the police on him. He's angry. He's mad at somebody. I don't know. I, I don't know how we can go away. I love what Harden's doing, but you average a triple-double and has not been done in. How long yeah, Westbrook is, you know? But I love LeBron, and I can make a uh, Leonard as someone you could probably make a, a appeal for. He just doesn't talk enough, and he's not public enough. But he's having an amazing season as well. Interesting.
1: No love for where does Harden fit in for you
0: guys? I would put Harden in number three um, behind Westbrook and LeBron. Mm-hmm. Um, you know there has been a big turnaround in in Houston. So, but still, I would put him at three. Yeah, I, I again he he is in he is on
1: point guard steroids, which is the M- M- Mike D'Antoni offense. Um, we know we know that inflates that's just a little bit. So that's why I'm kind of cool on Harden. I love what he's doing. I love the impact that it's having, but. I've seen – I failed for this – well, I never failed for it. I always thought Nash was not as hot as everybody thought he was. But um, but we've, we've seen this before where D'Antoni takes over your team and all of a sudden – I mean, D'Antoni had Ray Felton looking like an all-star for the first half of that, that season when they made the mellow trade. Um, you know, so, I mean, and Ray Felton was serviceable, but he, he ain't an all-star. Um Not in today's NBA. Uh, And I dig it with LeBron, man. I really do. Um, He's having a great, great year. Man, what Russell Westbrook is doing is just, I'm sorry. If you're going to tell a story of the 2017 season, you cannot tell it without giving about three or four chapters to Russell Westbrook and what he's doing after Mm -hmm. losing one of the best, two best players on the planet as your teammate coming back without another top 50 player, well, not top 50, top 25, top 30 player on your roster. You don't have another top 30 guy on your roster. And you have a team that was supposed to fall off the map in the playoffs, in the West, um, with a record that would have them, you know, in the thick of things in the East – um, and you're doing it while averaging a triple, freaking double, and you're averaging a tripping, freaking double going ham every night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, it's just, it's not that he's even getting the trip. It's not that like he's just kind of going out there and kind of like, nah, I just got a triple double. No, he's like, give me this triple double. <laughs> <laughs> he's taking the triple I mean,. I mean, yeah. he's just so aggressive. Like I hate to eat him, see him eat cereal. Like, <laughs> like he, I think yeah. he's one of those dudes that aggressively chews his cereal. <laughs> it's just like milk and and <laughs> corn
2: <dish> everywhere. <laughs> yeah. He's a offic- he's officially the Teddy Pendergrass of basketball. Just everything is on these
0: things hard. I mean, he just
2: doesn't mess around, man. I just. I love him. Every time I watch him, I'm just like, it's contagious, man. I, he'd get my vote off the bat. Because you're right. He, everybody thought he was going to be down and out. He just came back harder.
3: What and you've
2: got to be able to play some on the other end, too. He does play a little bit on the other end. That's the other part. Harden's has improved defensively. But when you start getting clusters of folks around the MVP, you also got to say what impact they're also having on the other end. Because so much of it is about the offensive numbers. And I think LeBron has been as effective on the other end, and uh, you know I think Westbrook probably has a little bit more edge on the on the other end of the floor as well.
0: What if Westbrook yeah. averages thirty points, nine and a half rebounds, and ten assists? Is he still the MVP?
1: No, he has to get yeah. he has to get a triple double. He has to get the trip. He has to get the triple-double because that's what's phenomenal, right? That's that's what's special. If he's not averaging a triple-double, he's going ham. He's going hard, but, I mean, like, that, that, that hasn't happened, right? And so that's the other piece about this. When you talk about LeBron's legacy, like, when you talk about the years he didn't win MVP, last year you had Steph go bonkers, like, just go bonkers, Um and have just an unbelievable shooting season, probably the best shooting season in the history of the league, Um, scoring season in the history of the league. Um, And then the next year you have a guy average a triple-double. That's what it takes for LeBron not to win MVP, you know. And I'm okay with that. Like, I really am. Like, if that's the bar where you have to have dudes, like, just go nuts and do stuff that no one will ever duplicate, then give them an MVP, even though they're not the greatest, the best player in the world that particular year. Um, But they may have had the best season that particular year. I'm okay with that. Like, I'm fine with that. And I get the fatigue thing. And, again, like, we could – yeah, LeBron definitely could be MVP and I wouldn't be mad. He could have been MVP last year and I would have been mad. Um, But I will say, if you're not going to give it to LeBron, then the dude better be going nuts. Um, And so, if we're not going to give it to LeBron, then Westbrook needs to get me give me that triple double. If I'm a voter, if he wants my vote, he needs to give me that triple double. Um, he needs to give me that triple double for an entire season. And he'll get my vote. Otherwise, you're right. It could go to LeBron. It could go to Kawhi. It could go to James Harden. Um, but again, LeBron is still gonna be one. He's gonna be the one. He is the best player in the world right now. So, um, but I think, it ha- I think, yeah, I, this isn't, like, again, and I, t- I said this last year, this isn't like them getting Carl Maloney award when he averaged, like, 24 and, like, 12. You know what I mean? This is like, these dudes are going nuts. <laughs> like, these dudes are going nuts. Um, and, again, like, the MVP conversation is leaving out due to a having career years, it's just having career years, the wrong year. I mean, when you talk about Isaiah Thomas, DeMar DeRozan, heck, Anthony Davis is having the best year of his career. DeMarcus Cousins, you know, we mentioned Kawhi Leonard, but Kawhi is probably, like, on the outside looking into this conversation. Um, I mean, even Kevin Durant, who is averaging 25 points, shooting almost 54% from the field, 37% from three. You know, um, defensive numbers are at career levels. He's not even in the conversation. Um, you know, it's it's it's, it's tough, <laughs> crazy, even. Um, but it's tough. But Westbrook's got to give me a triple double. I don't know about you guys. What are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on that that piece? If he doesn't get, if he doesn't average a triple double, where is he at for you, PhD? Uh, I'm biased.
0: Biased with this, I I can't look at it objectively because I <laughs> I still struggle with what the MVP award means. I do, I still struggle with that. What is it? What, so, what does it mean? Like, frame it
1: up. What does it mean for
0: you? To me, it means that the most valuable player. Um to me it equals the best player. And I understand a lot of people don't interpret it that way. And I, in some ways I agree that it shouldn't be interpreted that way, but I feel as if you take the best player off of a team, team is going to be significantly worse. Mm -hmm. And I believe with the Cavs, if LeBron was not on the Cavs, the Cavs would be a seventh seed in the East, even in the East.
1: Yeah, they would. They would. They would definitely be much worse. Um and they still shoot
0: all stars.
1: Right. Right. If you take Harden though, if you take Harden off of Houston, they're a lottery team.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean there's there's
1: nobody and, and same with what same with O K C and Westbrook. You take Westbrook off O K C and I mean, ooh. <laughs> it gets deep it gets deep you take okay you take rush book off of, okay see it gets deep i mean the bottom falls out real fast um so i i, I hear you i hear you and i i i, I can reconcile that understanding of the 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 award as well i don't think that's a i don't think that's a gross misinterpretation of it by any means i think you're in line with the spirit of the award for sure um but it does come down to i think how you interpret it um i've come to view it as not necessarily who's the best player that year, but who among the top guys is having the best season, right? Who among the top five or six NBA, like skill-wise guys in the world, is having the best season um, that year? You know that that season, who's who's putting in the best, who's putting in the most work? Given that, usually with those top five or six guys, if you take any of them off their team, their team is going to stink. I mean, it's gonna stink. I mean, not stink, it's gonna stank. <laughs> right? Like the top five or six guys in the NBA, other than Steph and K D, if you take them off of their team, their team is gonna stank. I mean, Brooklyn level stank. <laughs> That's another thing, man. Why people are all over the Bro- uh, all over the Knicks. And Brooklyn right up the street just stanking. <laughs> just stanking. <laughs> Like, that is such a bias, man. Like, Brooklyn is awful, and they just kind of get to hide in the shadows behind the Knicks. (laughs) Like, they're so bad, people don't even talk about them. Like, nobody's even gotten some sort of emotional attachment. Like, nobody's even mad. That's neither here nor there. I I
2: digress a little bit. But, D. Wills, what's your interpretation of the MVP award, man? I think mine is similar to yours. I mean, there's always going to be a cluster of five or six guys who – who we're going to consider for this award and who's having the best season. And then I think it's all, like, within that context, if you were to say, if I had a choice to watch somebody tonight, who am I watching, it's going to be Russell Westbrook. Like, if, you, if you're if like, well, I can only watch one person play tonight, it's probably going to be Russell. I mean, because it's so amazing because you're going to want to see, is he going to get another triple-double? I mean, he's having such a different kind of season. So I, I agree with you. I think it's, And last
1: year would have been Steph. Last year would have been Steph. Yeah, it would have
2: been Steph. Yeah, it was like, that's the guy you want to watch because they're having such an amazing run. Um, And there's usually a cluster of five or six guys who are going to be in that consideration. And someone like LeBron or Michael or Magic, they're always going to be in that five or six, right? They're always going to be there most of their career in that five or six. And most times they're probably going to be at the top, but they're always going to be in that group. And that's how I kind of manage that, who's the best in the league versus who's having the best. Who's the best player? Because the best player will all, if you know that guy was always going to be in that. Six, who's having that best season might change year to year.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I do agree with Phil's fatigue um, theory because I think that does come to play um, in the same way. Great artists drop album after album, and yeah. like they could drop an album that is better than. I mean, like everybody else except that one album that year and people be like oh they falling off you know like Cool and I go back and forth over Kanye's last album I don't like it but it's also it's be, it's because I have like Kanye's one of my favorite artists and I expect him to be here all the time and I didn't feel like that album was here with and I, I have my hand above my head right now you can't see it because this is internet radio um, that's what I do. Um, and his album is not there I was thinking
2: that you did that.
1: <laughs> I, I thought you had to so, <laughs> so, like, the level of expectation of performance um, also kind of comes into that fatigue because you expect a lot. But even then, LeBron is performing, though. And I, that's where I, I can understand PhDs kind of because, I mean, 54% from the field, 40% from three you know sixty eight percent from the line he's probably he's probably leaving three points on the court every night shooting sixty eight percent from yeah. the line, so really you know he's averaging twenty six a game he's probably actually about twenty eight you know easily if he's shooting seventy five percent from the from the free throw line instead of sixty eight um which I don't even understand how that's happening like <laughs> what's <is> that about <laughs> like why why is he all of a sudden just not able to make free throws? Um, that's weird That's a weird yeah. thing given how meticulous he is um, It's just a weird thing um, And I'm sure he makes him when it counts But it's just a weird thing That a dude that is that meticulous about his game Is just like eh I'll shoot 70% from the line <laughs> You know um, But yeah I, I dig it Phil And I think there is a little bit of that fatigue factor with it um, But like I said If it's fatigue and they're giving it to a dude that's you know just having a good year or uh, uh even a career year um but not like like if the if the talk was Isaiah Thomas needs to get to, Isaiah Thomas is having a great year but he's not I mean he's not I don't know he's not otherworldly like I've turned off Celtics games <laughs> you know what I mean like when the thunder is on I don't turn it off <laughs> you know um I watch that game so I don't know I just don't feel like I'm okay if Russell gets it this year. I'm okay with Russell winning the MVP. Anybody else, I think you can make a strong, strong case. Just give it to LeBron. Last year, I was okay with Steph winning the MVP. The year before, I think I think the year before, Steph's first MVP, I think, was some real, like LeBron fatigue, just like we're tired of him. Um, I think the last two years, um, there has been residual LeBron fatigue, but there's been um, some justifiable otherworldly seasons that have prevented people from being able to really um, kind of scream from the hillside that LeBron is being kind of gypped out of some MVPs right now. Um, so uh, that's that's kind of my take on the MVP situation. Um, I want to move into talking to some college hoops while we have still have some time left. Um, In particular, I haven't been following college basketball a whole lot this year. It just hasn't been really intriguing to me. I'm starting to get into it now. The thing that I have been following, though, is I follow the NBA guys who are in college. And um, I just want to get you guys' thoughts on Lonzo Ball, the Ball family, his dad. (laughs) I just think this could go one of two ways, man. Um, This could end really well, and these kids could turn out to uh, be everything that their dad is saying they're going to be. Or this could be, you know, Sebastian Telfair meets Felipe Lopez meets, you know, all these other dudes who, you know, Corleone Young, all these other guys who had these big-time reps coming out of high school um, but just didn't ever pan out um, in the league. Uh, D.
2: Wills, what are your thoughts on, on Lonzo Ball, first on his
1: game and then on his daddy?
2: His game, he's a he's real deal. Um, you know, uh I, I can't watch UCLA while Bill Walton is, is doing it. It's like uh Heinzen is, I know what's wrong with him Stop this game.
1: He wasn't he's he's this, bad it, when it he was on NBC. He wasn't just bad when he was on NBC. Like he got his, the best like, game ever he needs to let it go.
2: <laughs> yeah, the best game ever was uh was U C L A playing Oregon, uh, uh in Oregon and uh was up by a lot and he basically pouring dirt on Oregon. Like, you know, when UCLA is going to score, you know, they're they to score like 90 points. If you run it out, then they're not going to do it. And then UCLA probably didn't score another point. Oregon came back and won a last-second shot. He spent the next five minutes complaining why there wasn't a foul call. That was the best moment ever this year, watching him kind of eat a little bit with Oregon coming back. But ball is a, is the real deal. The kid can play. Um, he has an uncanny sense of passing. You know, they compare to Jason Kidd. I think he got a little magic in his game. The game comes easy to him. His his shot is a little off, you know, it's awkward, when it goes in. But his understanding of, of basketball and how he sees the floor. Look, I think the father's done a really good job with him. The cat is funny as all can be. Any interview you ever see him, they interview him on the sidelines uh, uh, against Washington State. I, I was dying, you know, because he puffed his shirt, got his shirt on. But the kids can play. At least Lonzo Ball is going to be the real deal in the league. His game will translate, transfer, whatever, right to the NBA. Uh, and his ability to pass in this open court, he's going to be good. He's got good size. He's about six six. So, yeah, I think, you know, for me, I watch some of the other top players. To me, he's the number one. In, in the way the game's play today, I would pick him number one. Okay. Okay. Uh I watched more college basketball this year, probably, and I've watched for a long time. <laughs> I would tell you that, yeah, but, but I've watched u c l a play probably like six times this year okay uh p a z what are your
1: thoughts on the ball family? um, did you catch that the young cat dropped ninety two what did you did you see any footage of that, and what did you think of it
0: <laughs> <laughs> right you said just rolled off your tongue like 92, 9-2. Nine, um, I just saw a few of the highlights, but I heard most people being critical. He wasn't playing enough defense, this and that. Um, I hope this isn't a trend, man, of us knowing the parents' name more than the son's names. And the ball kid, like the oldest kid that's at UCLA, knows his name. The Carmelo or... The one that scored 92, I I know his name. I don't know the other son's name. And it just feels like um, the dad needs to be quiet. Your sons, you know, like, manage. Your sons are kids. Help manage them and, you know, do what you need to do for them to get the right opportunities in terms of basketball. But... Just, I don't like the quotes, especially having to backtrack. You know the whole thing about he only played for the Lakers. No, 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 I didn't mean that. It's like, come on, man, just just get out the way.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. I'm kind of with you on that with pops. Like, it's your kid's time to shine, man. Just let them have it. Uh-huh. Let the game. They they got game. Let that. Let just let that happen. You know what I'm saying? Just like, just, just, just let that happen. Like, they got the skill set. Just let it happen. You oh. did your job. Fall back. Um,
2: but, but this is, this you know, is, the young cat. Twist. Can, can I just put an interesting twist on this. But you know, one of the things we always argue about the power of the, um, the coaches and the, and, uh, in the colleges having, uh, in terms of the brand of these students, athletes. The one thing that's interesting about this is he's been running his baller brand. Hard with it. So all the things you said about the parents, but in terms of, uh, of generating something for the family in an interesting way around, you know, being able to capitalize on your identity and about, you know, in the way your brand is uh, defined, there's an interesting nuance about that. He, he, he could be irritating, but if you look at the way in which he's uh, capturing the brand part about it and, and, and controlling the brand that they're developing – that's an interesting nuance to this story that I think a lot of people get into.
1: Yeah. And, and I, and I, I, I get the feel that that's what he's doing. Right. I, I can feel that. Like he's trying to, he's trying to, he's trying to create something. Um, I still feel like just let your boys do the thing. Um, it'll happen. It'll come along. Um, the brand will create itself. Um, and you can create the brand without being, without some of the stuff that he's doing is not necessarily helping the brand, in my opinion. Um, no, I think the ninety-two point the ninety-two point game, Lonzo being Lonzo, and like you said, I don't know Tito. Is it the, the middle one named Tito? Might as well be named Tito, right?
3: <laughs> Everybody know him. <laughs>
1: I think it's, I think his name is Jello. I think it's uh, Lonzo Jello and Melo. Um, no, I think his name is I think it's like Leangelo or something like that, um, and they call him Jello. Um, but yeah, you know, he might as well be Tito. Um, so, I think that, that is, you know, saying he's better than Steph Curry, or he plays for, I mean, that doesn't really help your brand, man. That just makes people mad. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, that, helps, that that moves your Q-rate in the other way. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's, let's, and you know, there's always the Kanye saying, love me or hate me, at least you feel some way about Ye. Um, but, I don't know. I think, I think there's, more, there's more space to be, for his boys to be loved for what they can do on the court than they need to be hated for what he says off the court. And I think that's what's happening is that, you know, people who want to hate, he's giving them ammunition. Um, instead, I think he should be fueling those that want to support his kids. That, to me, is where you really build the brand. Is where you pour your energy into um, emboldening and empowering people to support you rather than emboldening and empowering people to dislike you. And I think some of the comments he is making is encouraging folks to dislike his boys or to just nitpick at his boys or to say his boys aren't as good as he thinks as he thinks they are. And I think that ultimately, again, hurts the brand. Um, or maybe it doesn't because maybe, he, maybe they're going for the, at least you're talking about us kind of a deal, which again is, is it works. But if you want the Kardashian money, you know what I'm saying? If you want to go to Kardashian route, well, that ain't about ball, in my opinion. That's not about basketball, rather, um, in my opinion. If you're going to Kardashian route, that's just becoming a personality. And uh, as you said, a family brand, um, but that has nothing to do with becoming great basketball players um, or becoming great long-term because that's the other thing, becoming great long-term brands, right? Like you can be the hot flash in the pan, ball family, but if the kids don't have long NBA careers, Ain't nobody gonna care in a minute. Um, nobody's gonna care at all.
2: Um well I, I'm gonna say Lonzo Ball Ball's gonna have a long career. If you get a chance to see him, he, his dad's talking a lot, it's a higher privilege, but that kid can
3: play.
2: No, I've yeah, seen, him seen him play.
1: And yeah, he, he, yeah, he's yeah,
2: he, yeah, I mean, he gonna, he
1: gonna have a long career. Yeah, he's gonna be alright. He's gonna be good. He's he, he, gonna going he 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 gonna make it happen.
2: happen. Yeah. Um yeah. His, his dad the is young say the one say that Calvin Sampson, though. <laughs> the, the lady said, when he played one year at Washington State. He's like, Calvin Sampson, when he coached you at Washington State, you're was the kind of guy that came to play every day. He's like, yeah, I left because he didn't play fast enough. I bet I'm going to stop. He said, I left because he didn't play fast enough. I'm like, dang, they're trying to give you a compliment, brother. <laughs> oh, man, he's something else. Yeah. He be, he, so my he, perspective he got on the 92-point game.
1: It. Yeah, he do, he do, he do. He got a little trumpet. Um, my perspective on the 92-point game was I just didn't care that much. It was it was nice. It was a nice gesture. He was trying to do something for somebody else. He did a lot of cherry picking. Um, and that's it. neither here nor. I mean, he was trying to do something. And his teammates was in on it, and that's fine. So, that's nothing. I just, I just felt like there wasn't anything to get excited about with the 92-point game. And there was nothing to get mad about either. And I just felt like people want – if you, if you wanted to be excited about it, you were going to be excited about it. And if you wanted to be mad about it, you were going to be mad about it. But really, there was nothing there. Like, it wasn't like he dropped 92 and was, like, coming down, baking cats, and then pulling up. You know what I mean? Like, he was cherry-picking a little bit. And then when you understand why he was doing it, it's like, okay, yeah, I get it. I get what they were trying to do. It was a nice gesture. There's nothing to be mad about. There's also nothing to be like, oh, he scored 92 points. He wasn't busting. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like he was out there just, like, the coach went to like, you know, a four player, uh, a face guard with one dude playing a one man zone, the other four dudes on the court. And He's still busting on them No, I mean he was just, he was just, you know, he hit some shots, he made some layups. His teammates were finding him for some long bombs. That's how I beat. I mean, they made that happen, but it, I wasn't impressed. But I also wasn't like, this is a travesty. This is terrible basketball. It's whatever, man. If the other team is letting you do that. I'm more looking at the other coach like, hey, man, you going to let him keep cherry picking? <laughs> Y'all just going to let this guy keep running out for layups. That's what we own. But, I mean, it was like a 100-point game both ways. So, I mean, I don't understand why people were so upset about it. Uh, before we finish up, we got a couple minutes left before we kind of click over in the after hours. Um, so if you're listening live, you're going to have to make sure you download the podcast to catch this next segment. And in this next segment, we are going to give our can't trust some picks early. Can't trust some picks because we haven't seen the lines yet. We haven't seen where people are, but just off the general eyeball test, the teams in the top twenty-five right now, we are out on. <laughs> All right, you listen to Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, dot com. Renegade Radio. We're sliding over into the after-hour section of the show. Uh. As we do this, uh, PhD's got to cut out, so me and D. Wills are going, on, going to hit you off where I can't trust em's. um And then we'll catch fields next week. We'll be back on next week, March 14th, with another banging show. So make sure you be ready to download that. Um, so, D. Wills, who's, in your tra- can't tr- who's on the can't trust them list this year?
2: Well, as you all know, last year I symbolically took uh, Jay Wright off in Villanova. Um, they, they've been perennial can't trust em. Folks, I'm giving him a, a one-year hiatus. So and see what he does this year. But my new Jay Wright is uh, Purdue and Painter. Last year I thought they would go far. They got a player year uh, candidate in uh, Swanigan. Um, You know they might be the Big Ten's best uh, option of getting to the final four. He's got a decent team, but he always they always seem to fall short. Uh, that's one team. Duke, as you know, is usually a lot of okay. like, people love Duke this year. They've had a lot of different problems. I think people are going to sell out on Duke. Um, I think they're too perimeter oriented. I think at some point in the tournament, shots gonna fall. They're going to run up against somebody. Um, as great as Coach K is, he's had some devastating outs uh, in the tournament, and so I always put uh, uh, Duke up there uh, as a team that uh, I can't trust. Um and then uh, uh, the other team, and this is this might be a surprise, is Kentucky. I'm feeling like the one and done trend that Cal has been running is finding some bumps. Um, they they started out a little bit disinterested early in the year. I think they're coming on strong. Uh, they got some talent, um, but I just uh, I don't I don't feel good about Kentucky in a way that I I can't trust. And, you know, Cal's someone you kind of bet to the end, but I just feel like in recent years he might take my Jay Wright spot uh, uh, this year. So those are just preliminary kind of thoughts about it on the three teams on that. Yeah, uh, Cal's one and
1: done. The one and done this year, this is supposed to be a really good class. I haven't been very impressed. Um, there's some kids who can do some things, but overall as a group, I haven't been like blown away. Um, Duke is definitely on my list. Um, they were supposed to be the top. And again, this is, I respect the heck out of coach K, but I just feel like he always has these talent loaded teams and like, you just shouldn't lose this much when you have more talent than the other coach Mm -hmm. on a night to night basis. Um, but they do. So Duke is one that I'm not um, really in on as far as – and I think they'll probably get a decent line, um, a three or four maybe. Um, But I'm just not in on Duke at all. I think they're going to get upset early. I'd be surprised if they make it out of the first weekend. Um, Another team that I kind of just don't see it, um, and that's North Carolina for me. Like I just – you know, I I think the ceiling is the roof. I think the ceiling is the roof for them. Um, I just don't see it. <laughs> I just don't see it. Um, I, I don't see. I, I get it. They, they, they've they been good. They play well. I just don't see it clicking. And kind of a deeper team that I'm kind of just like, eh, I, I don't know about this one. Um, Cincinnati. Um, Cincinnati, hmm. I've seen them play a couple of times. Um, again, I just kind of, I don't, I don't see it. You know, I think they might wind up as a four seed or a three seed as well, and I'm just not as, like, I think that's a team that I won't have going very far. Um, yeah, those are those are the teams that I'm kind of just, like, out on this year. Um, one thing I will say with college basketball is the Georgetown Hoyas have fallen off. Um, oh, and that's yeah. quite concerning. I, I was going to ask you about that. And <laughs> this might be the end of it for JT Three. Um, I'm going to be surprised if he makes it through this off season. Um, had a he lot did. of guys well, who go, transfer out. Who going
2: to go, go, go tell Big John? Who going to go tell Big John?
1: Hey, they're going to send John an email. They know he don't check it. <laughs> they're going to be like, "We told you. We sent you an email, knowing he don't check no email." <laughs>
0: I think they're scared.
2: They don't want to to They're trying to suggest, yeah. you that. JT3, like,
0: maybe you want to try something
2: different. This thing working out. I'm trying to get him to resign on his own, but, uh... Yeah. He, he, he's not yeah. getting the hint, so, Why do you think it's falling no. off?
1: You know, I think, uh... One, the lack of success in the tournament um, obviously has not been, um has not been ideal uh, to recruiting. I think they may have lost kind of the foothold on the DMV area. Um, mm-hmm. They're not really getting the top guys out of that area as much as they used to. Um, the style of offense that they play, I mean, they play a more methodical style. They play some Princeton. They run a lot of stuff with Prince, uh, Princeton-based principles, and that's not really intriguing to guys. Even though it makes them better players, it's just not really intriguing to guys. Um, they've had mm-hmm. some guys who are talented that came in, who have left. Um, and when that starts happening, um, word catches around real quick around the AAU circuit. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as what you got going on in your program and how guys are being treated. And I, I don't know all the ins and outs, but I know that probably plays a big, a big part of it.
2: Yeah. I think that's uh that's something that they're going to have to figure out. Cause they, uh, they definitely uh they definitely uh don't know what to do with uh with him. I mean I think people are just I think he would have been gone before this, but I just don't think, you know, people want to pay a big job. I don't wanna be the one yeah. telling he gotta go. You know, but yeah, I think he should just be able to be better I, I don't know if he does have the right assistance. Um mm-hmm. you know, it's funny I remember you you were because you know, George Towns and Torres just be, you know, mostly brothers, and then the, the one white dude in the starting lineup, y'all, y'all would like what's going on? It's a change in the life. Hey, he was he was uh, horrible. He was horrible. <laughs> he was horrible. <laughs> I mean, he like, what's he going was on?
1: on horrible. So, <laughs> so yeah, we, we we'll see. Well, we're gonna wrap it up. That'll do it for the Real Sports Guys, RealSportsGuys dot com, RSC Renegade Radio. Until next time, peace.